Well, good morning, Grace. It is so good to see you guys this morning. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Will, and I have the honor of serving on the team here at Grace. Glad that you're joining us in person or online. We're glad that you're here to worship with us. Um, and I, I just love worship. I love our time of corporate worship and hearing you guys sing out. And those songs, I mean, they just... They make us long for the day when the kingdom of heaven is here, right? When we get to be reunited with God forever in eternity, and we can't wait for that day to happen. And it is so easy sometimes to look in this world and what's happening around us and get distracted and wonder, God, like, where, where is the kingdom of heaven in this world? You came, you died, you defeated death, you rose again to life, and we, we see, we hear what Scripture says about how things are changed now, everything is different, and yet, man, it just seems like it's the same. It still seems like it is so hard, there's so much evil and heartache and heartbreak in this world, and where is, where is it? Where is it? Well, today, we're going to talk about the kingdom of heaven, and I think maybe we'll have some answers, or at least maybe um, a little bit more of some answers. Um, we're really glad that you're here to worship with us. For the last few months, we've been in the book of Matthew. And if you've been with us during that time, then you know that we've really tried hard to strike this balance between really diving in deep to the text and what Matthew has to say about the life and the ministry of Jesus. But we're also trying to be done with Matthew by Easter to celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And so there's only so much we can do between the beginning of August and Easter Sunday. And there's a lot of great stuff in Matthew. So we've really tried hard to strike this balance between diving deep into the text and having a good overview of what Matthew is doing and Matthew is saying throughout, uh, throughout his, his book here, the gospel that he's writing about Jesus. And today is a perfect example of, of trying hard to strike that balance because we're in Matthew chapter 13. And Matthew chapter 13 is a, is a chapter of entirely parables, of Jesus speaking in parables. And a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So as Jesus was here in this world, what he would do is he would just be walking along with his disciples and, and see something, or they'd be talking about something. He, he would say, hey, let me teach you something about God about the character, the nature of God, something about the kingdom of heaven, something that we can't comprehend, that is unfathomable to our minds, that there is just no way for Jesus in words to describe the greatness of what we can't see with our own two eyes. And so he uses stories from common everyday things to try to describe to us these unfathomable, unknowable concepts and ideas of, of the truth of who God is in the kingdom of heaven. So today we're, we're going to be looking in, in Matthew at four of the parables that he shares here. and We're going to be talking about things like farming and sowing seeds and mustard seeds and, and leaven and, and things that people in Jesus' day were super familiar with. Things that maybe we understand a concept of or the idea about. And they're going to teach us something about the kingdom of God. There's this transition that happens in Matthew chapter 13, verse 36, where, where he was speaking to the crowds when he shares these parables. But in verse 36, it says, then he left the crowds and went into the house. So there's this turning point in Matthew chapter 13 where, where Jesus was addressing the crowds with these parables and, and teaching them about the kingdom of God. And then he shifts inside to a more smaller, intimate setting with only a few people compared 
to the crowds outside. And so this week, we're going to talk about the first four parables that we see in Matthew chapter 13 as he addresses them to everyone. And next week, we're going to look at the second half of this chapter at the the parables that Jesus tells in in a smaller setting. But most of these have this phrase at the beginning of them along the lines of the kingdom of God is like, or, or the kingdom of God is compared to, this idea that what Jesus is communicating in these stories that are made up for his, his purpose here is to illustrate something about the unknowable aspect of the kingdom of God, this thing that we desire deeply for us to experience here in this world that we can't wait to get to. And so Jesus here is going to give us some insight into the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 13, beginning of verse 24, is the first of these parables with this beginning phrase here. And he says in, in beginning in verse 24, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servants said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? He said, No, lest they in gathering them in the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until harvest. And at the harvest time, I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned but gather the wheat into my barn. Now, some of these parables that Jesus tells, his disciples are there, and they turn to Jesus and say, hey, um, what in the world does this mean? (laughs) What are you trying to tell us? And some of them, Jesus explains. This one, he explains, and he talks about the sower being the son of man, sowing good seed, then that those good seed become the, are, are, are the sons of God, children of God. The evil, or the, the enemy being, the, being Satan, the devil, comes and sows weeds. Those weeds represent the sons of the evil one. And in the end time, the harvest uh, comes, the end of time, and the angels come to do the harvesting, and they gather the weeds first and bundle them to the fiery furnace, and then the wheat is gathered into the barn, into the, the kingdom of God, to, um, into enjoying eternity with, with God forever. And, and this is the illustration that, that Jesus uses to describe the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. I worked really hard this week and spent a couple hours trying to figure out as I, looked, as I look at all of these together, are there one or two words that can really encapsulate what Jesus is trying to communicate about the kingdom of heaven? And then last night as I was practicing and working through this, I thought, if Jesus didn't use just one or two words to describe the kingdom of heaven, who in the world do I think I am that I can do that? Jesus tells this story because the kingdom of God cannot be boiled down to just a couple descriptive words, but we get this idea. Jesus paints this picture of what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is is Jesus sowing the seed out into the world, good seed that produces good crop. And Satan, the enemy over here, is spreading bad seed. They grow up to be the weeds, and at the end of time, the angels are going to come and they're going to separate, and the weeds are going to be burned. And the crop is going to be welcomed to the barn in the, the kingdom of heaven. And this 
picture paints a picture of the kingdom of heaven. He tells him another parable in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 31. says, he put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds. But when it's grown, it is larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make its nest in its branches. This idea that the kingdom of heaven starts as something so small, something that may seem so insignificant, the smallest of all the seeds around, but it grows into something incredible, beautiful, strong, mighty tree that birds of the air find rest, build their nest in, and and this amazing picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Just a couple chapters later, Matthew chapter 17, Jesus uses this analogy of a mustard seed in a similar way again, but not to describe the kingdom of heaven, but to describe our faith. In Matthew seventeen twenty, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of, a, of mustard seed, And you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So there's this idea that not just with the kingdom of heaven, but with our faith, if we have just a little bit, then it can do great and mighty, amazing things. Right? This little small seed turns into this this amazingly strong, big tree. Just a little bit of faith can tell this mountain to move from here to there. there. And and this mustard seed, even though it starts small, is, is... incredible. I mean, just think about what we celebrated a couple weeks ago, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They were expecting this warrior on a horse to come wielding a sword, and we got a baby. It can't start any smaller, literally, than a baby. And that's how the kingdom of God came to earth as a baby. I mean, even as, as Jesus grew and his ministry expanded, What we see is not a huge army overtaking everything, but we see Jesus standing before the rulers and authorities and finally killed on a cross. Sometimes we still have this idea of Jesus coming back or of God coming back, the kingdom of heaven being some grand thing that just is going to take the world by force. But Jesus uses this illustration of a tree just stands there, minding its own business. It's not going anywhere. Firmly rooted, planted in the ground. It's a place for birds to find rest, to build a nest. Now, this is not one of the parables that Jesus explained, so I'm not sure the emphasis and what aspect of this parable exactly Jesus was trying to get at to to talk about the kingdom of heaven and what the kingdom of heaven is like. But it paints a picture for us. It paints a picture of a tree. Finally, the third parable that Jesus uses here is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Right? And it doesn't take a whole lot of leaven to, met, to, to work its way through three measures of flour. Again, this idea similar to the previous parable, where just a little bit ends up going throughout all the flour, all the, the dough into bread, and, and it grows and it expands. 
Still, though, it doesn't do that in a reactive, strong way. It doesn't bubble up. It, it, it doesn't cause a chemical reaction that just goes everywhere. It gets everywhere and, and it's not forceful. It just slowly, as you work the flour, work the dough, works its way through the bread. And these three ideas, these three parables, paint a picture of the kingdom of heaven. This kingdom that we long for, that we desire, that we pray for, comes into this world that we can't wait to get to one day. This idea that Jesus talks about of the kingdom of heaven that we belong to when we accept him into our life. And and there's a couple temptations that from these parables I want to make sure that we can avoid. On the one hand, it's really easy, as we talk about these parables, to apply them to our own life right away. I even did so, somewhat intentionally, in looking at the mustard seed and jumping ahead a couple chapters and seeing how the faith of a mustard seed in our own life can can do incredible things. And and Jesus uses this illustration, but, but here in this text, he's not talking about us. He's not talking about faith like a mustard seed in our life. He's he's comparing this to the kingdom of heaven. In in the first parable, as he talks about the sower sowing seed into the world and into his field, what Jesus emphasizes in in the explanation of the parable is who the sower is, what the weeds and and uh the, the, the weeds and the wheat represent, and what happens at the harvest at the end of time. And so many times we want to look at this parable and say, well, this is how we live in this world, growing next to the wheat, and we, 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 we want to focus on the wheat and the weeds in the field. But that's not what Jesus emphasizes, because it's not about the wheat and the weeds in the field. It's about the kingdom of heaven. It's not about us. It's about something so much bigger than us that we get to be a part of, that we get to be included in, but it's not about us. Let me illustrate this in a, in a different way that maybe we'll understand a little bit better. Um, have you ever noticed with those who really enjoy sports, the terminology around talking about their sports team? When their sports team is doing well and winning, man, we say things like, we had a great game today. We, we've had a great season we're, we're at the top of the division. We're going to win it all. We, like somehow, me watching the TV in my living room has anything at all to do with the outcome of this game. It might. I don't think so. <laughs> but when our team is not doing so well, they blew it. They, they blew the 20-point lead they had. They're in a rebuilding year. How many of y'all are just tired of your them being in a rebuilding year, right? Them. Well, there's this idea of when when we win, we win together. But they 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 lose. We we don't want to be associated with that over there. They they blew it. And I think sometimes the same thing happens when we come when it comes to faith. When it comes to our relationship with Jesus, we've read the end of the book, right? We, we know where we're going to end up on, on Easter Sunday with the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and we, we win. We won. We've read Revelation. We, we win. 
Like somehow we have a part of the, the crushing of Satan, the defeat of death. Like somehow we were an active participant in this. No. No, the son of man, the sower in the field, Jesus himself defeated Satan. The kingdom of heaven is greater than the kingdom of evil. The kingdom of heaven is what we get to be a part of. We get invited to participate in, but it's not us. It's the kingdom of heaven. And so what I want us to see in this, and what I, want, what I really think Jesus is trying to communicate through these, these stories, is communicating different aspects of the kingdom of heaven. I think he's, he's talking about how the kingdom of heaven is not this forceful, big, powerful thing that, that is going to come and establish and rule like everyone of his day thought that God was going to send a Savior and Messiah to, to overtake Rome and to rule with an iron fist and with a sword. Like, that's not the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven waits for the wheat to grow. The kingdom of heaven is this tree that over time is firmly planted and grows, but it's not forceful. The kingdom of heaven is this, this leaven that spreads throughout the dough, spreads throughout the flour, but it's not this forceful thing. The kingdom of heaven is this, this kingdom that is not shaken that is not going to be overtaken, not going to be corrupted, not subject to inflation or financial struggles. The kingdom of heaven is not something that will rise and fall dependent on what's happening in the world around us. It's a place where we as the birds of the air can find rest, where we can make a nest and find our home, where we can, we can find safety and security and hope that regardless of what's happening around us, it's this place that we can be a part of that fills everything that we're searching and longing for in our, in our life. This world tells us that there's so much more, but the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is this thing that satisfies and is so good. It can't be boiled down to just a couple words. It's so much more than that. And so what I want us to see in this text, I want us to feel, is a place of rest and hope that is not dependent on the things around us, but is, that is anchored in the kingdom of heaven. I also want us to have a little compassion for other people. I skipped over the first parable that Jesus tells in this chapter, in chapter 13, because it doesn't start with the exact same words. It doesn't start with the same way. And the purpose of this parable is just a little different. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 3. Jesus said, he, or Matthew says, He told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil and immediately sprung up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced a grain, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. 
And immediately we read this, we hear this parable, and where does our mind want to go? Our mind wants to immediately go to the soil. I want to make sure I'm the good soil. I want to pray for those who are on the path, they're in the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and I, I want to make sure I'm not there. And what can we do to make sure we're good soil and that the, the seed takes root deep within us and we can multiply 30, 60, 100 fold? But this too is a parable that Jesus explains. And I only want to read one verse of Jesus' explanation here in verse 19. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. So in Jesus' explanation here, this is not a parable about the kingdom of heaven. It's a parable about hearing about the kingdom, the word of the kingdom. So it still involves the kingdom. But the purpose isn't the soil. Right, Jesus talks about the soil, but the main focus of this is still the sower sowing the seeds. And some people will hear the word of the kingdom, and before it has a chance to, to get root in their heart, the evil one comes away and takes it away. Some people who hear it, it'll take root, but like the shallow, rocky soil, it'll grow, and the tribulations, the, the struggles of the world will will come and, and it'll wither. It'll fade away. The, the soil with the thorns, Jesus says that's compared to the concerns of the world, the things around us that, we, that distract us before the word of the kingdom has a chance to, to root deeply in, in our lives and, and they fall away. And the good soil are, are those who hear and it takes root and it takes deep root. It's less about the soil. It's more about the depth of root. That the word of the kingdom is able to, to get hold in the life of people. And when we read this parable in context also of the rest of Scripture and what we see about Jesus and what we see about God and his nature and their character, what we see is a sower who doesn't just sow the field once, but he goes back again and again and again. And eventually the waters make the path good soil. Eventually rains come along and wipe the, the stone away from the rocky soil and it can be good soil again. Eventually the thorns die also. And it can once again be good soil. Sometimes it takes people to go and till the land, to work the land. But Jesus comes back over and over and over again to spread seed to spread the word of the kingdom of God. And we have a part to play in that. But it's not about us. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Now I know these are, these are not connected. Paul doesn't say this in connection with the parable here in Matthew 13. But, but there is this picture that we, the kingdom of heaven is not about us. But we have this invitation to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And we have this ability to go and to till the soil and to work the soil and to work the ground. And we know, we know that this sower is going to come back and sow more seed. He's going to cause growth. I mean, just think about it even for a minute in this, this parable. What farmer, especially in this day when everybody was farming, what farmer goes and spreads seed along the path? 
or along rocky soil or thorny soil. Like what, what farmer is wasting seed? It's not wasting seed because there is no waste when the word of the kingdom, when, when word about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We get to play this role. We get to play a part in bringing the kingdom of heaven to this world and and, and working the soil and working the ground so that others can receive the word of the kingdom of heaven. It's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do because our idea and our picture of the kingdom of heaven sometimes isn't the way Jesus explains the kingdom of heaven. So we go on to these three other parables where Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. And it's not something being taken in force. It's a strong, steady tree. It's this leaven slowly being worked throughout the entire flower. It's the waiting on the crops to grow. That's a hard thing to do in this world where everyone wants us to take a stance and everyone wants us to be loud and vocal about things that that's not how Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven. But that's the kingdom that we get to be a part of. That's the kingdom that we get to be a participant in. And if we really want to do our best to represent the kingdom well, then we need to have an idea of what the kingdom of heaven is like. And we need to do the best we can to represent the kingdom of heaven accurately as Jesus describes it. So this week, as we reflect on this in this time of year, the first of the year is as people are full of hope, full of what's to come, looking to 2023 to be a better year, we have this wonderful opportunity to say, hey, um, let me tell you about the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you about my Savior, Jesus, who didn't come with flashy things or big things, and, and you might be tired of that. My guess is you've tried a lot of things. The kingdom of heaven is not flashy. It's not this strategically difficult to understand, mind-bending thing. Look, it's, it's simple. We couldn't pay for our sins by ourselves, so Jesus came and he took our place on the cross. He gave his life so that we could have life. He sacrificed everything for you and for me because of how much he loves you, and it's not a complicated message. And it doesn't involve being for this or against that and and things that the world wants to argue and bicker about. We're going to stand firmly rooted in the cross and the sacrifice Jesus made for us. So I don't know if it's a coworker, I don't know if it's a neighbor. I don't know who in your life needs to hear this message right now, but people are searching as we start a new year for something better this year. And there is nothing better than the word of the kingdom. And so I encourage you to find, find rest, to find hope, to find a stable place in the kingdom as, as Jesus describes it, and to share that with others this year. Father God, you are so, so, so good. It is so unfathomable to think about how deeply you love us and you care for us to come into this world, to take the cross for us, to to give us something that we don't deserve, that we haven't earned. 
But that's how much you love and care for us. So God, we just say thank you. We, t- we tend to make this something so complicated, so confusing, but God, you, you kept it simple. You kept it so incredibly simple and, and, and you just love us so deeply. And, and we want to make something more of that. We want to say, no, it has to be more complicated, but it is your love that took you to the cross. It is your love that brought you down here. It is your love for us that it was your motivation. And that was seeping through your life and ministry. And so, God, we just say thank you. And give us that same heart. Give us that same love for others who may be in the shallow soil, may be on the hard soil, and haven't had a chance yet. God, may we, may we work the soil so that you can cause growth. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to pause in this moment to take communion as a church family together. Jesus gave everything, and so we just set this time aside to say thank you for his sacrifice on the cross His blood that was shed, the body that died for you and for me. Um, So if you have communion, we just want to encourage you during this time to to take it after your own personal time of giving thanks to God and praising him. Church online, we want to encourage you to do the same during this time after your your personal time of reflection to take the bread and take the juice. Uh, Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for being God. And in this moment of reflection and of thanksgiving and praise, we just say thank you for the sacrifice you made on the cross for us. We say thank you for giving everything so that we can be in relationship with you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.